Right, I want to talk to you. I've got some very important things to say tonight about something I call the helix of life. Um, we set out last time I spoke to you to show how faith, hope, and love, um, which we looked at actually work in reverse order, love, hope, and faith, um, they rem remove the if in respect to God being for us because Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we talked about how when you understand love, hope, and faith, it removes the if. So you know God is for us, okay? Therefore, who can be against us? So I want to take this conversation a little further um, tonight using the same chapter from Romans, the book of Romans, which is, is chapter 8. We'll go there in a minute, but, but not at the moment. Um, if, if I asked you to draw... Life, I need to say this, some of you need to listen to me tonight. I, sometimes I deny the prophetic in me, but some of you have got going on in your ears right now, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak. Because what I tell you tonight can change you radically. But if you're more interested in the yakety yak than you are submitting your spirit to what God wants to say, you'll go out with yakety yak still in your ears rather than a word of deliverance. Okay, is that okay to say that? Yeah. Okay. So, if I asked you to draw life, how would you do it? <clears throat> I don't mean the events in your life, you know, like you playing football or whatever. Uh, and I don't mean... People in your life, like drawing you and all your friends and your family around you, that, that's the events and the stuff, the people, or, or things that are important in your life. But if I said to you, I want you to draw life, how would you draw it? <coughs> Probably a lot of us, if we sat down and thought about it scientifically, would draw a straight line, which you can put it on the screen now if we're live on that. Are you getting me back there? Most of us would probably draw a straight line. Because life is from cradle to grave. So there's life. Um, beginning somewhere and ending somewhere. And, and it would simply draw attention to the length of life, not the nature of it. And although we are concerned about the nature of our lives, most of us never really stop to engage with what is important to transform the nature of our lives. So we're just aware that we have a beginning and we have an ending and stuff that goes on in the middle, but we don't know how to explain the stuff or deal with the stuff that goes on in the middle. Um, any, any electronics people in here will know that we have a little machine that tests like resistors and electronics that, that's called an oscillator. And it measures the oscillation of, of electrical sound waves. Did you know if we got really scientific and, and into physics in here that actually we are greatly made up of sound waves? Now that's weird, I know it's really strange and weird and people who get that are strange and weird. But nevertheless, lots of stuff that's true comes out of strange and weird people like me. So, so an oscilloscope would show the movement like that. Now, now some of you would say, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a picture of life. How many of you have ever said, life's like this, it's full of ups and downs? That would be partly true, but it's still not an accurate picture of what life <coughs> really is. Um, how many of you know what the core of life looks like? How many of you know it looks like, not like that, looks like that? What's that picture of? DNA. It's known as the building blocks of life, but when you look at a strand of DNA, it's a Helix, do you understand what a helix is? It's two lines curved around themselves. Actually, we also have another use for it. We call it a spring or a coil. So life itself, when you look at it down to its minutest level, 
has these expressions of the helix, the coil, the spring, okay? So, in essence, if, if, you, if you're going to look at life correctly, a more accurate picture of life would be this. If you think that the blue line is the strand of existence, but the actual manifestation of that existence is a helix that goes around that existence. So it's a bunch of cycles or a bunch of circles that go around and around, but actually, like a screw, lead somewhere. If, if you look at life in this way, as cyclical or connected circles, it will help you understand the process we all witness going on in our lives. Um, it would be more helpful to show it in a way I'm going to attach it to scripture at the moment, which is this, rather than having it laid down flat. I want you to think of life being a helix that's that way, it's vertical, okay? How many of you have ever thought or used the phrase in your life, I feel as though I'm going round in circles? That's because you are. Life feels like that because that is what life looks like. Life is circles or cycles around a central core of existence. And so in our life, we re-experience things from a different perspective, a slightly different angle, but life is consistently a re-experiencing of various things that make an impact on the direction in which the context of our life is going. If you look at life as cyclical or connected circles, it will help you understand the process we all witness going on in our lives. So, so if these cycles are going on in our lives, these cycles are two things. A, they're actually subject to laws. This is very important tonight, because I want you to know that the cycles of your life are subject to laws. And that B, it's vital if we are to grow upward rather than sink downward that we understand these laws exist and how they work. Every one of us in here tonight is like that. But we're either in ascendancy in the context of life and its development or we're in descendancy. Now this is actually a principle that the wisest book in the world latches onto. Because the Bible's not a dumb old book for fuddy-duddies. The Bible is full of incredible wisdom and revelation and understanding from people who face the reality of life. And in Romans chapter 8, the chapter we talked about if God be for us, but we have learned how to remove the if, the first two verses are very important because it says this, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so the starting point is not condemnation. Okay, I want you to know that. As we examine our lives, as we try to help others examine their lives, the starting point is not and must never be condemnation. And that's why I have a lot of compassion uh, for the journey that Jay Back has walked, because as he interacts and brings the love of God to the, the LBGTBGs, LGBT, LBGT, lesbian, transgender, yeah. As he does that, what Jay is doing is understanding this, that in the dealings with life, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now, some would say, but... If a person's behavior is not what we would associate with the, the um, uh, common picture of a believer, then how can they be in Christ? If that's your view and you tell one lie, if you bear one offense, if you hold one grudge, if you have any bitterness, if you have any judgments, then you have just condemned yourself by the same degree that you condemned others who you feel their errors are more public or more distasteful or more unacceptable. 
the book of Romans says early on, and it makes a wonderful case that I can't go into, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God sent Christ for everybody with the same love, the same kindness. His arms are as open to everybody and anybody because there's no condemnation when we understand that the no condemnation foundation comes through Christ. Okay, now again, that, that's another debate to take that bit, but I'm going to leave that there because I just do not have the time to unpack every detail of this but he goes on to say in verse 2 because through Christ Jesus or in Christ Jesus depending which version you're reading listen to this the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death there's the key to the principle I'm trying to teach you Paul here says that there are two laws at work, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death, and that the direction in which we live and therefore the trajectory of our life is being governed, you can take that off and put put the picture back on, is being governed by one of these two factors, okay? Now, if we're honest, for many of us, we transition between these factors because that's what's called growing in grace. It's what the Bible talks about coming from glory to glory. The problem is some of us are too stupid and remember I told you the problem with humanity is not sin. God had a perfect answer to sin. His name was Jesus. God had a perfect sacrifice in Jesus to deal with every residue of sin. So God's problem is not sin. God's problem is stupid. And we protect our stupidity because to face our stupidity sometimes means we have to face ourselves and sometimes we don't want to face ourselves because we all know that my situation is someone else's fault. That my problem was caused by what someone else did. That my feelings are only there because of the way I was treated by someone. Isn't it amazing? But you see, when we stop being stupid, we say, do you know what? I'm going to take ownership. I don't like what's happened to me. Some of the things I didn't deserve to happen to me and many things shouldn't have happened to me, but I'm going to take ownership of where I am because nobody else is responsible for my trajectory on the helix of life but me. And the truth is I can't pull Joel up the helix of life nor can I push him down. But what I do may affect his decisions and choices that allow him to have an upward trajectory or a downward trajectory. I want to tell you, if some of you will listen to me tonight, you'll start to break that horrendous depression that's held you for years. You'll start to break that lack of self-worth. You'll start to break those compulsions. You'll start to break them if you listen to me tonight. So because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So, so there is, the laws are equally powerful, right? The laws are equally powerful. But you choose which one is going to be dominant. Because the law of sin and death will assure take you into death things in life that are not fruitful as the law of spirit of life will take you into fruitful things. You have to make a choice. Which law are you going to put yourself under its jurisdiction? So the trajectory of your life could change tonight, this very night, by the choice you make as you understand this. So you can see on there I've got the law of the spirit with an upward arrow and the law of sin and death with a a downward arrow. Now let's just define what we mean by a law. Let me give you some definitions. A law, because we're not talking about like uh, don't ride your bike on the footpath, you know. We're talking about the bigger understanding of laws like the laws that govern the universe, okay? The scientific laws, not just rules that we make for people but scientific laws that govern the universe because I believe There is the law of the spirit of life that exists in our universe and you can't get rid of it by saying, I'm an atheist. Any more than I can say, I'll get rid of the law of gravity because I'm a balloonist. (laughs) I might do things that, I might do things that detach me from that law, but I do not remove the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
law, the law, law is a phenomenon of nature that has been proven to be invariably, or, or has been proven to, let me start again. Law is a phenomenon of nature that has been proven to invariably occur whenever certain conditions exist or are met. That's what we're talking about. An invariable occurrence that happens whenever conditions that exist are met, okay? So jump off the balcony and meet the conditions for gravity to work. Get in an aeroplane that's got powerful engines, I, I put myself in the conditions that are met by the law of lift. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a scientific, a scientific law always applies under the same conditions and implies that there is a causal relationship involving its elements. In other words, something caused it to be, and something causes you to become part of the power of that law. Okay? In general, a scientific law is the description of an observed phenomenon. The law of the spirit of life is an observed phenomenon. I've been observing it all of my life and I'm only standing on the shoulders of giants who've been observing this phenomenon for all of their life, and there is due record in history to show that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that gives ascendancy in people's lives and breaks bondages is a reality. It's a phenomenon, but it's a reality. But, but laws don't explain why the phenomenon exists or what causes it. It just does. So if I tell you, most of you today, there is a law of gravity, that does not explain to you why it exists or what causes it. But you can live in it without knowing why it exists or what causes it. Now I'm going to attempt tonight a little bit to tell you why the law of the spirit of life exists and the law of sin and death and what causes it. In science, laws are a starting place. From there, scientists can then ask the questions why and how. So guys, these are laws. I don't care which side of the fence you sit or how you swing or whatever. These are laws. Law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. They are two opposing laws in competition to determine your direction in life. One is marked by its life content now you say, what is it? what's the life content? The life content is faith, hope, and love. Whenever you're living in that law of the spirit of life, you will see these three things, faith, hope, and love. You will manifest it, and it will be given back to you because that is at the core and at the center of the spirit of life, okay? That's, that's the content of the spirit of life. I talked about it before, and then Chris talked about it last week, about the things of long-suffering and kindness and faithfulness and the things that, these are things that remain and express what is also the nature of God and part of us. So, so this, this one is marked by its life content, which is, shows up in faith, open love. The other is marked by its death content. You say, what do you mean by that? It's marked by people who live by sight, because the opposite to faith is not doubt or unbelief. The opposite to faith is sight. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we live by faith, not by sight. Your problem is not doubt or unbelief. Your problem is the attention you pay to what you see. Some of you can't get out of bed because of the attention you pay to what you see. Some of you can't break your mood because of the attention you pay to what you see. This is worth 100 quid tonight from all of you. Just that alone. Seriously, get the offering basket, so let's do it. <laughs> Just that one piece of wisdom alone. The opposite to faith is not doubt and unbelief. The opposite to faith is sight, what you see and how you perceive what you see. So, so the second law, this, 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 this one that, that's, that's marked by its death content, shows up in sight, which is natural reasoning. You can't natural reason your way out of most stuff in life. I never knew what depression was until we hit a problem, and then for five years I was in the deepest, darkest depression, that I needed something outside of myself to break that depression. But part of it was on this. First of all, I had to stop seeing what I thought I saw, right? 
and come back to faith in the goodness and the kindness of God. I had to realize that I was absolutely loved and that raised hope in my heart and that released faith. It was broken by coming under the power of another law, not by trying to reason it out, okay? So, okay, we had, we had faith, hope, and love. The death content is sight, being totally governed by what we see. The second thing is despondency. We have a despondent attitude to life. We just feel despondency. Everything is against me. Nothing's working out. Nothing will work out. It's a pessimism that is absolutely destroying. We can see no solution or hope. And we think we can work our way sometimes out of the despondency when the truth is you can't. Because the despondency is part of a law that's happening because you've subjected yourself to that law. You've got to switch to the other law and then you get your breakthrough. And the third thing, because we said faith, open, love, we've got sight, despondency, and listen to this, the third one is hatred. For some of you, it's hating yourself. Why? Because we're on this side. We're on this side of the helix, right? But usually when we hate ourselves, that hatred projects onto others because I hate myself because I was abused, therefore I hate my abusers. Or I hate myself and nobody cares, so I hate everybody who doesn't care about me. And we don't call it hatred, of course, because that would be too blunt. We just say we're wounded and I was really hurt and you know I'm just very soft-hearted. When actually what's going on in here is this tremendous hatred and this, this need for justice and if you hadn't ruined my life, and if you hadn't chosen that, and if you hadn't done that, and if this wasn't spoiled. And what's happening is hatred. And, uh, you know, I, I've been a leader of churches a long time, and if this is not dealt with, you come in, you come in loving the church, loving what's heard, begin to love God, and begin to love yourself, and then when you make this shift, suddenly you begin to hate the church, and hate those who are in the church, and hate the people and hate yourself and then it's over because these two things are happening. We're all on this tonight, guys. We're all one side of this equation because this is life. That's how you draw life. I want you to notice as well that it doesn't say the law of life will set you free. It says the law of the spirit of life. Now you say, why, why is that in, important? What, what is the spirit of life? Because if it's just the law of life makes me free from sin and death, no it doesn't. I've, I've lived by the law of life, looks awfully like the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life. Did you know life has a spirit? And what many of us are lacking when we get into difficulty is the spirit of life. We're still alive, but we're not alive. Right? We live physically, but the spirit of life, that thing that gives you the contentment and the peace and the joy, not because you have no problems or suffering or difficulties, but in spite of every problem, every difficulty, every suffering, every conflict, every paradox in life, somehow your heart is free, your soul is free, your spirit is free. In spite of all that, it's the spirit of life. So what is the spirit of life? Well, when God first breathed life into the clay image called man, and, and whether you accept that as literal or symbolic, I, I, I really don't care in this conversation tonight because the principle is bigger than whether you accept that at the moment. When God first breathed life into the clay image called man, he, he in the Hebrew, he ruacht. He ruacht, okay? R-U-A-C-H. The ED is my addition, there's no such a word. Okay, because in Hebrew you can't say ruach, you can't say that. But ruach, you know ruach, the, the Hebrew word ruach, it means breath or spirit. So when it says God breathed into him the breath of life, what you could read just as easily in the Hebrew is God spirited into him the spirit of life. Okay? So, so that's the law of the the spirit of, of, of life, it, it means that dead clay comes alive. That's the law of the spirit of life. Dead clay 
comes alive. That's the root of the law. What do I need to know about the spirit of life? Dead clay comes to life, okay? He gets ruacked. So by the power of his word and his spirit, dead things come to life. Now, when you go all the way into the New Testament and get a different story where now we have the crucified Jesus, this chapter we're in, in verse 11, says something about that. I'm going to add a couple of words in. It says, but if the spirit, the Hebrew, the Greek word there is pneuma, right? Which is why you have pneumatic tires, because pneuma is breath. And breath is the same word as spirit. So pneuma is in the Greek, what ruach is in the Hebrew, both are breath and both are spirit. So it says in Romans 8 verse 11, but if the spirit, the breath, who raised Jesus from the dead, because of him is not in the text. If the spirit, the pneuma, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Or in other words, dead things come alive. The law of the spirit of life is simply this, dead things come alive. The things that weren't working, the things that weren't working right, the things that were missing, the things that were contrary, dead things come alive. That's the law of the spirit of life. And it's, it is a law. It cannot help but happen. So, so if that's the law of the spirit of life, what is the law of sin and death? Is it the Ten Commandments? No, this is not talking about law as in the Ten Commandments. It's talking about a law as in like gravity works and lift works and motion works and speed works and spirit works. It's a law like that. It's a law that you cannot avoid because it, it's there and it's real. Th- this is what I believe is, is the law of sin and death. That it's what happens in the absence of faith, hope and love. That's your simplest explanation for the law of sin and death. It's what happens in the absence of faith, hope, and love. When faith, hope, and love are missing from your life, the absence of them mean the existence of the law of sin and death. Do you understand? Does that make sense? So that law activates by the absence of faith, hope, and love. Remember what I taught you, that you don't have to have faith to build some hope that God loves you. You embrace the fact that God totally, indiscriminately, without exception, loves you, which raises hope in your heart, and that produces the faith that changes your life, okay? So the law of sin and death is what exists in our life in the absence of faith, hope, and love. So when you and I slip out of faith, hope, and love, what happens? The law of sin and death takes over. And what happens to our life? We start going down the spiral. And that doesn't change until we come back again to faith, hope, and love and receive those, let that spirit of life work in us, that law of the spirit of life. When we let that happen again, then we start ascending. Of course, at the core of that is our acceptance of the love of God, which is why that chapter begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation. That's the starting point, okay? It's not the ending point. I, for years, thought that was the ending point. If I get it all right, if I do everything right, if I pray right, if I behave right, then there's no condemnation. Paul says, that's the starting point. Get that off the equation right away. The issue is, that's the starting point. Our concern now is if we see God with the absence of faith, hope, and love, which some of you do, we start descending in the law of sin and death. If we see one another in the absence of it, if we see ourselves through others' eyes with the absence, we automatically slip over. So one could say, and rightly so, that the faith, hope, and love of God are never absent. Uh, And that would be true. But where there is an absence of their functioning presence, we invariably go into a downward spiral. So God's faith, hope, and love 
are not transitional. They don't change according to your behavior. But where they're absent in our lives, inevitably we go into a spiral. So we can be in the highest of highs. Oh, how amazing God, isn't it so wonderful and life is great. And then once something happens in our life by sight and by despondency and hatred comes in, then the faith, the hope and the love disappear and suddenly we were up there and now we've spiraled down to a dark place. Now I want to just, am I okay to take a couple of minutes just to explain something here? So I want to have a quick look at faith under trial in this context. Now when he talks in in 1 Peter 1 verse 6 and 7 about the trial of your faith, it's not talking about a criminal trial, right? That we're trying your faith and if you don't pass this test, then, you know, black caps going on. You're condemned, you will be taken from here forthwith and at dawn you will be hanged and... It's not talking about that kind of of trial, not a a criminal trial. It's talking about a development trial. I I grew up and had a real job before I did this. And um, I was involved in in studying in the building industry and civil engineering. Um, One of the things I remember distinctly was testing materials. We used to test concrete blocks for strength. You weren't testing them to shame the concrete. You were testing them to find the strength of the concrete and whether the concrete would be strong enough for the task that you had designed. And if the concrete failed under pressure, what you did was you changed the mix. You changed the reinforcement. You made it to be such that it would withstand the pressure that was going to come upon it. How many of you know that God designs us and develops us to withstand the pressures that we will face? The problem is, if we don't live in the law of the spirit of life and get into the law of sin and death, then we become unready for the processes that we're going to face. So, so Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, verse 6 through 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Life can be very grievous. I, I am preaching you to a gospel that, you know, come to Jesus and you'll never have a problem. I'm saying, but if you really find this truth, the problem won't be the problem that you thought it was. It says, these have come so that your faith, not God's faith in you, your faith of greater worth than gold, which means of greater worth to you than gold. In other words, faith to you developed is worth more to you than all the gold in the world because it can change more stuff. It can do the things that gold cannot do, faith can do, okay? which perishes even though refined by fire. And I love this in the New International Version. It says that your faith may be proved genuine, resulting in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Or in other words, Christ is going to show up in your life. But this trial is that your faith might be proved genuine. Now, the only reason you need to prove something genuine is because there is a danger that it's counterfeit. All of us, including me, Stand under the danger that our faith is counterfeit. And who wants a counterfeit faith? Because here's the problem. A counterfeit faith doesn't work when you face the problem. A counterfeit faith won't do anything for you when the storm comes. Or when your kid dies. Or when, or when the job's lost. Or when the relationship's under pressure, counterfeit faith will do nothing for you. Now, the problem is in my dealings with humanity, which is why I said I want you to draw life, is that a lot of the time, we find that our faith was counterfeit. We did all the spouting and shouting and amazing, but the problem that hits us then suddenly knocks us so far down that we talk about, I have lost my faith. Well, in essence, we didn't lose anything because what we had was counterfeit in the first place. But God in his kindness says, I want you to be able to understand where your faith is counterfeit. That means that it is the product of a good experience or the product of, of, of nice circumstances rather than the product of the law of the spirit of life. Because when you get this faith, this faith carries you through everything and anything and brings dead things to life. This is the faith I want you to get. So you understand I'm not being condemning towards you or me because this trial is not about condemning you like a criminal trial, but it's about trying to say to us, do you know, 
if, if when I face the difficulty, I get so stinking depressed and so unhappy and so pessimistic and so destroyed and so angry and so bitter and, and so full of hatred, then that's a good thing because it says, oh, okay, so my faith in that area was not genuine. So thank God for the test because I can now do something about it, right? Because when, when that shows up with faith, open love, you say, ah, thank God, by his grace, I've learned to walk in the law of the spirit of life. And let me tell you, that law works. So he says your faith may prove genuine. Okay, now I wanted to show you something just on here before I, I finish this off. I put some little black marks in there and I wrote the word trial, okay? Because trial of your faith happens in a certain way and this is how it happens. Remember we talked about, I feel as though my life's going around in circles. How many of you ever feel, I've been here before? I've faced this before. This has happened to me before. See, when anything breaks in our life, whether it be a relationship, a marriage, a job, a career... Um, you know, a, a business, whatever, something happens to us. And what happens then in life, we find ourselves coming back round to the similar circumstances, not the same because it's a helix, okay? But we find ourselves facing similar circumstances, similar challenges, similar difficulties, because that's how life works. When you're on the helix, you inevitably will come around to face things that you've faced before. The idea is that in facing them when you're living according to the spirit of life, you have that little extra power, you have that little extra faith, you have that little extra hope, you understand how much you love, that little bit more, and this time you pass through it rather than transitioning to the other side of the equation and being dragged down by the law of sin and death. Usually the way we destroy things in our life is consistent throughout our lives, unless we get into the law of the spirit of life. So if there was a circumstance that caused, for example, a breakdown in my relationship, I'm gonna, I'm gonna face that again with the same person or with someone else. And unless I change the way I approach it, I will get exactly the same result as I got before. It's fascinating the statistics that um, Divorced people who remarry are 50% more likely to divorce for a second time than people who got married for the first time. And people who divorce a second time and remarry for a third time are 75% more likely to divorce again than the first time. So, so you think, well, it should get less because of the pain of the first time now and you find joy. But you see, the issue is if the issues that caused the problem the first time don't get resolved in the law of the spirit of life, they actually get worse the next time because the law of sin and death is now taking place. And so, and so we're now living by sight and we're living by despondency and hatred comes in much quicker and so things get broken much easier. Lots of you know exactly what I'm talking about whether you want to admit it or not. And I don't mean to be obnoxiously arrogant but you know that I'm right. But it's not me that's right, it's what God says that's right. Because I'm trying to help you. This is how we draw life. And that's the trial of your faith. When you come back round to that circumstance that last time destroyed you, this time it doesn't have to. The thing that made you depressed before, when that goes away, I'll guarantee you it won't take but long before the same set of circumstances arrive that drove you into depression before. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or if you're prone to anger and judgments, the same things that made you angry and judgmental, you'll have a period where you move away from it and then you come back round to a circumstance again that if you've not dealt with it, you'll be angry and judgmental and your life begins to get back again on this descending process of the law of sin and death. I want us to find that law of the spirit tonight. I want you to find it. Because I believe that your faith becomes a conduit for the activation of the spirit of life in every situation. And we need to get back to faith. You can't reason it away. We need to get back to faith. We need to get back to faith that there is a law of the spirit of life. And that in that law, when I embrace that law, it has an impact on my life that the scientists call a phenomenon 
that cannot be explained by the law itself, but the law itself still works. You don't have to understand how this works for this to work, but if you'll embrace it by faith, it will work. And I can't say you won't face some stuff, but I do know you're facing some stuff going in ascendancy, not being destroyed by that stuff going in descendancy. So you've been very patient, and I appreciate the time. But I've just got two more things to say. Two of the verses in this chapter, uh, very clear, I like them in the New American Standard Version. He talks about the mindset, our mindset. If you have a mindset that's, that's governed by all this, it creates inevitably a connection with the law of sin and death. But if you have a mindset that understands there is a process in the spirit through love, hope, and faith, that actually works. And that in the same way that the Word and the Spirit came together to, to bring life to mud in the beginning, and the Word and the Spirit came together to bring life to the dead body of Jesus, the Word and the Spirit coming together in me or in you brings life to me and brings life to you. And, and not a life out there because it says it will, it will bring life to your mortal body or your circumstance, your situation now. This is true. So whichever of these processes your mind is set on will be the one at work in your life at this time. So if your mind is set on this process of, of the absence of love, everything that you see, the despondency and the hatred, if your mind is set on that, it's, you understand what the word mindset means? It means like, like you set concrete, you pour it in a mold and it sets. Some of you need your mindset breaking tonight. Really, really. Some of us, I should say. Because there are areas I need my mindset breaking, which lock me into this descending thing. But, but he said, but there is another mindset. It's the mindset that's focused on the truth of the law of the Spirit, on what Christ has done for us, not what he expects from us, on the love that he has shown and the hope that he expresses and the faith he has for you, so that as you experience that love and understand I might have been the biggest failure in the world, I'd like to hate myself, but really if I hate myself, I'm pushing the cross in the face of Jesus and saying, take that back, I hate it, it's worthless. Okay? Because he doesn't say God so hated the world that he refused to give his son, does it? So every time you hate yourself, you say, God, stuff Jesus, stuff the cross, stuff the sacrifice, stuff your humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we refuse to believe. Jesus is the greatest expression of God's guarantee of his is immovable love towards you. God so loved the world that he gave his son. You cannot afford to live in hatred towards yourself or anything. But if you have that mindset, so, so how about breaking your mindset? How about saying, God, in Jesus' name, I, I submit, will you smash this mindset that has become so fixed in me? I choose for it to be broken. Your, your business is the humility to offer it to God for that mindset to be broken. And then to be transformed as God renews your thinking. Because the truth is, it's no wonder some of you are dizzy. Because you're up and down and up and down and up and down. Okay, so the point of all this, I'll finish, I've taken enough time, I've taken enough of your time. The point of all this is in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 through 37. This is the point of all this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he's given another bunch of stuff. The reason all those are there is, is our understanding of whatever trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword, the things that let us down, the things that hurt us, the things that interfere with our lives, whatever you want to put in there it might not be nakedness and storm. What he's saying is that, that they cannot separate us from the love of Christ. But, but you see, what we do is we remove ourselves from faith, hope, and love, and then invariably, remember what I said, the love, it, 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 I'd like to say it, it won't happen to you. It will, because it's the law. So when I remove myself from faith, hope, and love, 
that's going to happen. But when I transition back in and, and it starts here, who can separate me from the love of Christ? So he loves me. Remember how we started. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He brought you in to Christ Jesus and there's no condemnation. Because he says, for your sake we face death all day long. We consider the sheep to be slaughtered. And th- this, is, this is the point I wanted to, to make. It says, no. Right, that's a big no to all the stuff that, that makes us get over here. Law of sin and death. No. Do you know, most of us are saying no to the wrong stuff and the wrong people. Our, our no's are us- usually no's of self-preservation. Because we don't want to submit, we don't want to change. We need to change our no to something else. He says, no, we're going to say no to these things that drive us to depression and despondency and hatred and drive us down and make us go down the helix. We're saying no to those things because because we're not separated from the love of Christ. And he says, no, in, in all these things, right, in all these things, in the process of life, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's a fascinating phrase, more than conquerors. That means it's more than just winning. It's winning to such a degree that there isn't even a a word that's associated with winning that describes what the condition is. So he's struggling because he says, well, is it a conqueror? Well, no, it's more than a conqueror. Well, what's the word for that? I don't have a word for that. So it means it's more than just getting through, it's more than just getting by, it's more than just surviving, it's more than just making it, it's actually being victorious, it's actually knowing that you're above and not beneath, you're the head and not the tail, you're the first and not the last. It actually, it's the sense of being victorious in life, in every situation, knowing that you are on this ascendancy, on this ascendancy, because the law of the spirit of life, this strange phenomenon, is now working for you, and the important factors are word and spirit, word and spirit. Some of us are talking ourselves into the grave. And then we want the Spirit to rescue us from the words that we speak. When every word that we speak is a negative. I know it'll fail, it'll never work out, nobody loves me, that person will never change, da da da, this and that, and I was put through this. So what do we expect to be empowered in our lives? It's all that nonsense that we talk about. And so for many of us, we are just the victims of the very things that we confessed and the spirit that touches that does not change us from glory to glory. We find ourselves all the time descending into this law of sin and death. That's why it's important that you know it's not if God is for us, it's God is for us. It's not if Christ loved me, it's nothing can separate me from the love, it's so deep. It's not Yes, but I've got to deal with the condemnation. There is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And it becomes a confession that says, no, in this situation, I am loved by God and I love where I am because where I am and who I am is now going to show the hope that comes that says the impossible can be changed and then faith becomes the conduit down which the Spirit of God flows that makes dead things come to life. And suddenly, instead of feeling... I want to quit, it's over, I wish I was just dead. The attitude is I'm so glad I'm alive, I'm so glad of where life is taking me, I'm so glad that I'm more than a conqueror because of him who loved me. I'm trying to bring some victory in your life tonight. Just bow your heads with me for one moment. If you don't want to change, I can't help you. I pray the grace of God somehow will touch you and meet you and find you somewhere because God is that gracious and kind. He looks for us and finds us. If you do want to change, you can. What's the first thing? I don't use the word repentance an awful lot because it's been, it's been distorted a bit, but we repent of that mindset. Sometimes it's time to get sorry for the things that we have thought about ourselves and about God and about others. And sorry is often a good word to bring change in our lives. Because sometimes when we don't say sorry, we're kind of not taking any responsibility on ourselves. So I invite you right now, if, if your mindset 
has not enabled the outflow of this law of the Spirit, why don't you just say sorry right now to God? Be sorry for yourself. (laughs) Feel sorry for yourself. Express that sorriness to God. But then the other thing we have to do is now embrace that we're absolutely loved by a God whose very essence is love, who does not love me because of anything I've done. He loves me in spite of everything I've done, but he does love me because of who I am, because he actually loves who I am. We embrace that love and receive it, that we're not in competition for the love of God. That means that we don't have to manufacture the law of the spirit of life. It means the law of the spirit of life is there. God put it there. And then we have to do this incredible thing, which is the location of our faith. Are you locating your faith in this situation will destroy me? Are you locating your faith in the fact that God is with me and he is for me and he brings dead things to life? And so am I saying it's over or am I saying it's just beginning? Am I saying I don't know how this will ever turn around or am I saying thank you God that the turnaround is on the way? Word and spirit. You can't do the spirit thing. God does the spirit thing. But his spirit comes in on the back of our confession and the location of our faith. Also tonight, if you have felt, yet in the challenges of life, I've said a lot, thought a lot, but found my faith wasn't genuine. How wonderful tonight to be in that place. How precious to be able to say, thank you, God, that I realize my faith in your goodness in my life and in my completeness in you and in being more than a conqueror was not genuine. So I thank you tonight that I can exchange that ingenuine for the genuine. And you receive the love and forgiveness and you let the hope that comes from that love rise in your heart and you release the faith towards Almighty God, the one who forgave you, brought you in and now equips you to be more than a conqueror. I want you to be winners because you are winners. Because everything God has ever done is to make you a winner in every situation in life, more than a conqueror in all things and sometimes through all things, sometimes in spite of all things. And you know what I've found happens on that way? Some of us get the most ridiculous miracles that we cannot explain. And I can't explain why it comes to some of us and who it comes to, but but isn't it wonderful when you're in a place that it can come to you? And it can by the grace of God. And we set ourselves into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So Father, break every, every stronghold in our lives in here tonight. Shatter our wrong mindsets. Release the, 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 the peace of God into our lives. Help us to take this picture of life and our direction to change because we believe you've made us more than what we have become. And so we are going to become what you have made us, not what situations and circumstances in the world will try and cause us to be. We celebrate your goodness and we celebrate your faithfulness and we celebrate your call to become more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're done. Okay. We talked for a while, but you know, Also, for those guys who listen to us on podcast, I apologize, you can't see the pictures, obviously, unless you're very spiritual and get a revelation. Um, But we'll put them on the website for you to see if you want them. All right, be blessed, no pillars. So, you know, have a chat, meet somebody, and then uh, hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday night. All right, we're done.